Hello, and welcome to the Kosh. I am your host, Timber Smith, and um, once again, it is a beautiful Saturday morning. Uh, getting ready, we're getting ready to kick it off. You know what's exciting is, um, you know, I got this thing. Every every time I get up in the morning, I look outside, walk out, let the dog do his thing, and then I'm like, oh, what's today going to bring? So I come back and I have a conversation with Alexa, and I say, Alexa, uh, you know, What's what's that weather going to be? And uh, today, Alexa said 70-some degrees. And I was like, whoa. Wait, you see you, you see Alexa in the background? Alexa's like trying to get in the conversation. Alexa's trying to become part of the podcast. And I was like, 70-some degrees. This cannot be real, but may it be real. I am super excited if it is. So once again, the Kosh is a podcast that highlights people who have an association with Oshkosh or the surrounding Fox cities area. And once again, you know what time it is. I'm super, super excited about this week's guest because guess what? I have another amazing guest and I don't know how I get so lucky, but you know, it's a thing. It's, it's a thing. But without further ado, this week's guest is Joe Peterson. Joe. Hey. How's it going? It's going pretty good, yeah. I mean, it's getting warmer out finally. Weather's finally breaking. Nothing to complain about. Nothing to complain about. Not not in Wisconsin for this time of year. And, and, and I can't even say her name because she's going to jump on the podcast. But you know who I'm talking mm-hmm. about, y'all. Mm-hmm. And she said it's going to be a beautiful day. Yep. Yep. I'm ready for it. Hey, hey I'm going to have to find something to do with it because you. I feel like when beautiful days break off, like you got to find a way to do something in it. Yep. 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 It, you can't just enjoy it from the window. You got to go be inside it. You got to you gotta experience it. Yeah. So there might be a trip to, to someplace uh, to go grab some things to barbecue. Yep. That's my plan. Oh, wait. That was your plan? That's my plan. Oh, you got to break that down, man. What, 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 do you, what do you do on the grill? Um, I think tonight it's going to be ribs, but I also have some uh, chicken and beef skewers I'm going to throw down. Um, I'm going to do it on charcoal. Little bit of lump hardwood in there, yeah. I, I, oh. I, I this is this is like a holy thing for me. It it, it it is. Look, barbecue is a is a whole. You know, I would love to have a barbecue podcast mm-hmm. where you just talk about technique. Yep. Because you know, I want to learn what the greats do. Yeah, and and everybody's got their own styles, and it's it's not always about what's the, what's the better method. It's just what works for you. What do you like? And so it's great. That's it's. it's, it's there's an opportunity for a real community there. There, it, you know? it really is. And, you know, it, it, well, there is. Because you know what? You can get a bunch of grillers together, mm-hmm. and you stand around the grill with a libation in your hand or a beer, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a good time. Yeah. It doesn't take much more than that. Right. The smell of yumminess. Yeah. Good food, good good drinks. Good food, good, good drinks. Yeah. Good weather. It's all there. Hey. <laughs> all right. So, Joe. Um, can you please share a little something about yourself and uh, what is your connection to the Kosh? Well, I actually moved to Oshkosh in 2010, right after finishing um, my PhD at Northern Illinois University. And I, I teach in the Department of Geology at UW Oshkosh. And Bruh. I'm a uh, vertebrate paleontologist. So, Bruh. what is that? I study dinosaurs. Well, yeah. you, that, you know what, as, as a kid, and as a boy, because I think all boys as kids have a fascination with dinosaurs. That's got to be kind of cool. I mean, I went through one. I went through a dinosaur phase as a kid, and I actually got out of it, and then got back into it 
and it's never gone away. So, Where are you originally from? I'm originally from Pecatonica, Illinois. It's a small town of about 1,800, 2,000 people outside of Rockford, Illinois. It's in between Rockford and Freeport. Pecatonica. So, Pecatonica. Okay. So it's, it's, is it small? Is it big? It's very small. Very small. My graduating class was something like 30 or 40 people. 30 or 40? Yeah, it was that, pretty small. <laughs> that's, yeah. yeah. It was very, very small. But, you know, we'd go to Rockford or Freeport a lot because they were only like 30 minutes away. It'd be like going from Oshkosh to Appleton. All right. So that's where we'd go to, like, go to, you know, the city. <laughs> it was Rockford. Rockford was the city. Yeah. Okay, that's kind of cool. I know some folks from Rockford. Yeah. Shout out to my man, uh, Dr. Howard Spearman out there. Um, that That's that's cool. You know what? When you say said Panatonica, I thought you were going to say that lake name that was in Prince's Purple Rain. Oh, <laughs> What was that? Do, you, do you remember Minnet- that Lake Minnetonka or something? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That? <laughs> yeah. Minnetonka or something like that. It's like for real. That's a real place. No, yeah. <laughs> but that would that would have had to been in Minnesota though. Yeah. All right. Um, family. Uh, yeah, married uh, with two great kids and a couple of dogs and a cat. Ooh, um, couple dogs. Yeah. Well, if you combine them, it's like one real dog. They're like two really really small little dogs. Uh-huh. Uh, this is actually the first time in my life I've ever had two dogs, and it's definitely been an adjustment. Is it an adjustment? Yeah, yeah. They're just, they're, they kind of get into everything. I need um, to understand this whole two-dog deal because, see, it's a conversation that comes up in our house often. But, see, mm-hmm. Bosco, I feel like uh, Bosco the podcast dog, who is a currently not attacking the guest, but I'm sure will rear <laughs> his face at some point. Um, I... I I hear two dogs are nice because they keep each other busy. They do. I mean, I'll give them that. They definitely keep each other company and they chase each other and they play all the time. Um, And we decided to give them because they're small. Like one of them's like half Chihuahua, half Terrier, and the other is kind of Beagle and Terrier. They're both pretty, you know, kind of cat sized. Um, But we decided to give them some really like confidence building names. So it's Thor and Freya, which is really fun when I'm like outside and yelling for the dogs to come. And, you know, everybody in the neighborhood is expecting these big beasts. And no, it's these two little, you know, things. Thor and Freya. <laughs> Thor and Freya. Yeah. I love it. Yep. Okay. That's fantastic. Yeah. All right. And um, how do you I, I, see? I'm, I'm still on this, um, the dinosaurs. Sure. I want to understand. So, like, have you done cool things? To go? Have you... Have you gone on digs? Have you found cool things? Oh, yeah. I actually lead a uh, field expedition. Uh, and I've been, I've, I've been going on dinosaur digs since I was 14. Whoa. So, yeah. when Pretty much in 1993 when Jurassic Park came out, I was going into middle school and knew right away, okay, I want to do that. I want to I work with these things. You know, live, not going to work. Dead, okay, I can do that. <laughs> so... Um, I started going on digs in the summer in high school, and then in college I continued doing that. And in grad school, I started leading some of my own expeditions out to Montana. And um, since I've been at UW Oshkosh, this will be our 11th field season at one of our sites. This uh, next in June, I'm taking a group of students out, and we're going to spend uh, a couple of weeks camping right at the site and and digging. We've got a, a big skeleton we found a couple years ago that we're excavating. Wow. So, I mean, you, so you can actually do that as a UWO student? Yeah, yeah. So it's something we offer through the Department of Geology, uh, and it's for credit, and it's a really cool experience. And it's one of the site we're working at, too, is so prolific, and just we find stuff every single day. It's one of the only places I think I could 
guarantee if you want to find a dinosaur bone, you're going to find one. They're that abundant at this one particular site. And so what what I'm doing out there isn't just digging to dig. I'm trying to reconstruct why are there so many skeletons at this one particular site? What happened here? So it's a little bit of a kind of paleo crime scene investigation in there too. Okay. So So a a paleo detective work. Yeah, it's a little bit of that. Like why did everybody pass right here yeah, or how did their skeletons end up here maybe that's they got true somewhere else and got washed in so yeah, we're shifted yeah so we're trying to to figure all that stuff out it's just you know it's a little challenging when half of your evidence you know is washed away 140 million years ago so we, we you know we got to tease some data out of of the rocks and the bones and stuff it's kind I, of fun i assume there's some assumptions that might there have to couple, be made yep there's a couple of <laughs> assumptions and a little bit of speculation and, and that's kind of the fun part too is you really kind of have to let your imagination run before something you know pops up that you go wait a minute can we do something to test for that and so yeah we we kind of encourage within reason you know some of the more wacky ideas because you never know what what something is what's going to be testable i i could see that and especially did you say 140 years again 140 million at least yeah Yeah. that's that's a long time yeah yeah the stuff i did my dissertation on was about 67 million so i'm kind of going back further in time (laughs) that gives a new um new definition of history it it does it's something I, i bring up in class too when i'm going and covering topics about geologic time is it's one of the things that's kind of hard to grasp sometimes. And I think geologists and anthropologists and archaeologists, we kind of get used to just rambling off you know, billions of years. Like it's nothing you know, <laughs> right. because we're just so used to talking about that. But if you really do stop and think like, hell, what is, what does a million look like? I mean, most of our lives and, you know, we measure them in days or hours or schedules, right? Years maybe, but start talking about like a million years, even. It's kind of hard to fathom. It's like, what would even like a million dollar bills look like? I'd love to see it, you know. Oh, but. apparently you've never seen some of the rap artists and uh, <laughs> right, <laughs> and yeah. they, they, they they are literally stacking on a table. Exactly. So, you know, what is what would this look like? How would we visualize this amount of time? You know, with something tangible, and and it's it's still pretty mind boggling. So I even have to catch myself with it. Oh yeah. Well, you caught me. <laughs> okay. Well, we're gonna jump into the first segment. First segment is, what in the world is going on with? This is where you start with the phrase, what in the world is going on? And tell us what's on your mind. Sure, yeah. It's nothing to do with paleontology, but just with topical stuff, I guess. You know, what in the world is going on with the state of comedy right now? Uh-oh. Hey, Bruh. Break that down. What do you mean? Well, it, it, and, I, and I'm not taking a side on, on anything and, and you know getting into some of the political stuff and, and you know, that, that's been brought up around it, but you've got... You, we're at this interesting crossroad, I feel like, with comedy because in a, in, a, in a world right now where we need to laugh more than anything else. Agreed. We we have a crossroads between you know people trying to make comedy from 10, 15, 20 years ago and people that are making comedy today, and they're not always meshing well. And, you know, looking at, at some of the new stand-up specials that you'll see on things like Netflix and HBO, and you know, some of them are getting well-received well and some of them are getting a lot of backlash and just... How do we how do we reconcile this when nobody can agree on what's funny, and uh, yeah, it's it's kind of an ironic situation when we need it the most, we can't even agree on. Look, I, I my thing with the state of comedy is this: we don't got too sensitive. Mm-hmm. Like comedy is comedy; mm-hmm. it's meant to be funny. Mm-hmm. It's gonna say things that are offensive 
Yeah. It's going to cross lines. Actually, some of the best comedy crosses lots oh, yeah. of lines. I mean, have you ever really watched a Richard Pryor special? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, my man crossed all. You know what? I think even sitcoms, I look at what used to be funny. Like, okay, so you take a uh, Archie Bunker and George Jefferson mm-hmm. from back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and people may be mad at me for this. Gosh, listeners, I understand. But you know what? It was funny. Mm-hmm. George Jefferson and Archie Bunker were funny. Yeah. They, the stuff, how that banter was hilarious. And I think it worked really well for the audience at that time. And I'm sure there were people back then that didn't care for it. Of course, you know, it's, it's a personal taste. Right. But, and everybody's personal level of comfortability with, with material, I, I, I agree. But that was so cutting edge. It was. To do something like that. And I think <laughs> even you brought up prior, a lot of the stuff he was doing with his stand-up was nobody was really pushing some of those boundaries. And even the way he was delivering jokes, nobody right. was really doing anything like that. So... You know, like uh, you know, the stuff that was going on with Chappelle, yes, and and uh, but then we have you know, Hannah Gadsby, which really funny stuff. And you've got these two. It, it, and what I guess what I mean by a time a, a crossroads is what a certain generation is finding funny is changing. It's not what I was finding funny at that age. Oh yeah, and I think. Well, I think that's always that's happening. always happening, right? And we're just we're at this really odd spot right now where we can. We can really see it, like we're peeking behind the curtain. Like, wow, this this is volatile, and it's kind of exciting in a way. Um, so yeah, it's just been something that I've been noticing. It's my one of my, you know, kickback, relax things. Try to check out what's new with stand up, and um, yeah, it's, it's a weird time right now. <laughs> it, it is. I've been listening to this podcast, um, and it, and it's uh, Kevin Hart's podcast. It's it's called um, it's something something the minds of comedy. Great Minds of Comedy, something like that, and um, and he has guests every week um, of comedians, famous great comedians, and you know, in listening to how they broke into the business, how hard the business is, and stuff like that. And you're right; I mean, everybody's approach is different, but everybody's tone is different, and um, how they come up with what they think is funny is different, and the lines that they each push is very different. You know, yeah. they're comfortable in. Some of it has to do with their backgrounds, their culture, or whatever. But the intent of a great comedian is to be a storyteller mm-hmm. and tell, to me, tell versions of the truth that are they're so honest but absurd that you have to laugh at it because we as people are flawed. Well, <laughs> and I think it's, you know, when... When, it, when you have a, a good stand-up comic, they're, yes. they're sharing a relatable story that you know people can relate some human experience to. And when people laugh at it, that means they can relate to it. And I, th- I wonder if that's one of the things that's causing um, people to, to, to back away or, or to kind of lash out about it is they don't like the mirror that's being put up in front of them. I don't know. I, I've, I've, like, I, I guess I wasn't paying... I wasn't paying the type of attention to an extent until the slap. Yeah. The slap and, and the slap bothers me. And I, and I've already talked about this once in a previous podcast, but the slap bothered me because it wasn't even that personal. It wasn't, but at what point do you have the right to put your hands on a comedian Mm -hmm. who's doing their job? I mean, I can think of, I can think of Chris rock jokes that, he should have gotten slapped for much faster than that. Right? Yeah, that wasn't even a, like, it just didn't even hit right. 
it wasn't a hard hitting joke. I mean, at best, he, you know, I, I will say before the slap from the, that few seconds in between the joke being told and Will Smith getting up, um, my reaction was he went there with that joke, and it wasn't like horribly offended. I was surprised Chris Rock did mm-hmm. having somebody you know who who made the, the film Good Hair, right? Like, and you're you're gonna you're gonna make fun of a woman's hair condition. That's not wouldn't have expected that from you. And then then that that went out the window. It didn't matter after that, right? You know, after after you know the slap, it didn't matter. But it it, it did get a little bit of a response from me. Again, it wasn't like a shame, like how dare you? It was just like oh. Wouldn't have expected you to make that joke because of the, the because of the movie. Yeah, yeah. No. Okay, um, I can understand because that. you know that which was a really you know empowering film, uh, you know for so many young girls especially. I was like, oh, hmm. I guess, it, but it was kind of low hanging fruit anyway. I mean, yeah, I guess you're right. It wasn't a very good joke. Yeah, it was. It well, it it wasn't something that I thought was like, oh my god, he said that. Like mm-hmm. by no means. Actually, I went to a place and first of all, I, you know, I'll say I didn't know anything about her condition Mm -hmm. you know and people that assume that people know i don't care how much a star is on the tv uh, do you really pay that close attention let me ask this uh the kardashians are on all the damn time how much do you really know about them i can't even tell them apart okay (laughs) 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 take pride in that too (laughs) and so here's my thing so people that are like you should have known yeah no no you shouldn't have known and number two I liked G.I. Jane because I actually thought uh, Demi Moore was really awesome in G.I. Jane yeah. back in the day. I mean, she was she was buff. She came out, you know, and that was a thing. So, I mean, to say, like, hey, we'll see you in the next G.I. Jane movie. And, I mean, she's been in The Matrix. Mm-hmm. It's it To me, it wasn't even a far-fetched. Like, it wasn't absurd. No, no. I just I thought, my again, my thing was more like, why are you going there? With about the hair because about the of hair the movie. thing, but also like G.I. Jane, who gives a hell? Who gives a damn about G.I. Jane anymore? <laughs> like movies, I was in high school when that came out, right? You know, so I'm like, nobody, like the younger generation that's watching me, if they even watch the Oscars, they don't know what that movie is, right? So it was just the whole thing was just so strange. And this is actually something I was talking about with some friends too, right after it happened. Is I think with, with the outrage and how people took such extreme sides on it says more about where we are. Societally. Societally right now. I would agree. But nobody was really just taking a moment to step back going, this is really friggin' weird that this happened at this award show at, on Will Smith doing it. If, if Russell Crowe did it, nobody would have cared. You know? I buy that. And, you know, because it's like, oh, he's known for getting into fights with people or did at one point. You know, if it was if it was a number of other celebrities doing it, I don't think people would have would have cared but nobody would have expected will smith to do that i think first and foremost and it was just such a weird thing over a lame joke and this big explosion it was just a it was a very strange week strange enough that now like a month later it's still being we're still talking about right right right, right. So, I, will, I will agree with that yeah so yeah i i think that's something you know that's going to uh be talked about in the history of comedy unfortunately as this really how weird did it get in 2022 well, you know, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air slapped Chris Rock <laughs> over a lame joke at the yeah. Oscars. <laughs> well, uh, or well, the Fresh Prince of, Prince of Bel-Air basically slapped uh, Everybody Hates Chris. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. When you put it like that. You know. It, yeah. Tell tell your, your teenage self that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Bruh. Okay. Um, 
my what in the world is going on with is what in the world is going on with the fact that in Wisconsin, why are we always last to do things? And here's my thing. This one is about sports betting. Why? And, and we got all these places around us where you can get online and, and put in a nice little parlay if you want to do that or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. But you can't. Mm-hmm. Why? That's just dumb. Mm-hmm. That it, so we're we're just gonna let everybody else make the money. I I don't get it's, that. It's, it's there's a couple of industries I feel like Wisconsin is doing that on, unfortunately. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I would look. I'll call the other one out because I have no shame about talking about that. So that one bothers me because here's the thing. Look, I it, gambling's already rough. You can go in any bar, any anything, and and there's a machine. Yep. Anything you can go in in certain gas stations. Uh, I don't care what the business is. They if they think there's going to be somebody who's willing to sit there and play a machine, there's a machine there. Yep. So why exactly can't I pay for a parlay when my friend in Chicago is playing parlays online and stuff like that? And I'm not even sure, but I'm probably pretty sure for whatever reason, Wisconsin's always last. So I haven't done my research, but if I find out that Minnesota and Michigan also are in that scenario, I'm going to be mad. Well, I, and again, I don't know too much about uh, like on online sports betting. It's it's just not something I've I've got a lot of experience in, but it, it feels like along with a number of these other things, it's just this kind of archaic holding onto these archaic rules that the, the situation's already changed. Like you mentioned, there's already, you know, machines in every bar and gas station. You can go into any bar and do a shake of the day, which is really no different. Right. And, but yeah, we, and there's lottery, but you can't, you can't go online. And it, it's the, my question is why is it being held up? Well, like, and, there's and, always a reason. And usually the reason is somebody, is guarding their pot of gold in whatever yep. market it is. And right. I don't know who's guarding that pot of gold for that, but I got a feeling who it might be. Well, I would think that, you know, tourism would benefit from it, from, you know, re- removing more of these kind of restrictions. Absolutely. So I, 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 if you know, I would love to know, because I think it's, it is strange how there are these restrictions in place. Well, Somebody's yeah. benefiting, but... Well, you know, it's 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 kind of I'm on, and now along in this same argument is my whole argument on legalization. Mm-hmm. So my thing is this: so every state around us mm-hmm. is legal. Yep, and Michigan, Illinois, Minnesota, and you can drive up to Canada if you really feel like it. Right, <laughs> and 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 so northeast, northeast, west, <laughs> south. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting here in Wisconsin not collecting that tax income. Mm-hmm. We're just going to let everybody go across the border because that's what they're doing. If you don't think they are, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And make all the money. But we don't want that money, apparently. But we like to complain about taxes. Right. Right. But yeah. we don't want to cut taxes, perhaps, by actually getting into the same business that every other state around us is doing. Yeah. And, you know, it used to be when I would go home to Illinois I, I, you could all, even if the, if it was dark, you'd be able to know when you cross the border because when all of a sudden the roads, you know, Illinois roads, yeah. you could just cross in them. That seems to be the other way around now, right? And gosh, wouldn't it be great? You know, here that's a state that already has like you know the the I pass system and stuff for the tollways. Right. Wisconsin doesn't. Here's a here's a, a great revenue source, and and you know it's the tavern league though. 
that's having a big part. Yes, absolutely. Yes, I've heard that. Um, you know, that's what I've heard is what I will say. And, and it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And why? Why? Because I don't think you're, you're going to lose money mm-hmm. of people going to taverns. To go into churches, as we like to refer to them yep. as here, um, that is just part of the culture of Wisconsin. People aren't going to stop doing that. No. The people that do it are going to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There'll just be a few more people that might decide to stay home, play a video game, and buy a really big pizza. Or maybe they'll just do that after they get home from the bar. That too. You know? I yeah. Mean, I, I and, that too. Yeah. Like end your evening on a, on a mellow note, right? Wait. I, somehow I don't think, uh, it's not as if it's non-existent at all. I don't think anything has ever changed the fact that it's been available yeah. anyway. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I live fairly close to campus. I walk to work. I walk home in the evenings. Yeah, you can tell. Yeah, you can tell. <laughs> the other day especially. Oh, you know, well, yeah. There was, well, there was a nice little uh, yeah, the daily celebration going on there, I'm sure. Yeah, and that's, I don't care, you know, like, we, because we go back and we visit family in Illinois. They, yeah. My kids see the signs. They see the billboards. They see the, the storefronts. They don't. They're they're going to be growing up with this. Even if you know a child that's, that's growing up in Wisconsin, where everything's still le- illegal, they're going to be traveling around as they grow up. Right. They're going to know about this. It's not the same thing that maybe when we were younger, what, what we were taught. I actually asked my my daughter, um, who's twelve now, but when she was a couple years ago, she was doing the Dare program at school, mm-hmm. and I asked her what what they cover nowadays. And apparently, they focus a lot more on you know the dangers of of smoking and vaping and it's much more anti-nicotine. Right. Um, and they, I, I guess, uh, you know, like, like cannabis is treated more like alcohol. Like, Hey, it's a thing when you're older, maybe let's just talk about responsibility and just stay away from vaping yeah. is the big thing that, which I, I get, but I don't, you know, that's very different than when I was a kid. Like I was told that marijuana and cocaine were damn near the same thing <laughs> in the dare well, program. Well, I think they learned that they overshot that. Yeah. yeah, they overshot that, and then when people figured out, oh my God, they lied <laughs> for the yeah. most part. Yeah. Um, then that made you not believe all the other things that really were the things. Yeah, the good information went out the window with the bad. Right. And so. I'm I'm glad to see the course correction, and I feel like the stuff they're covering now is a little more like okay, yeah, this is more science supported. Um, but but yeah, all these other kind of restrictions just really really strange, and yeah, too many hands and too many pots. Yeah, well, I mean, because the restrictions aren't to me; they're not based on the right reasons. They're based on some some industry trying to protect its its source of income versus. Um, doing maybe what's best for the greater good mm-hmm. of the people that it's supposed to be serving in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though, you know, private sector, it's about making money and constituencies and stuff like that. But, I mean, here's my thing. I just hate the idea of all this income loss yep. and possibly a new tax base mm-hmm. that doesn't raise our taxes. And you'd think that the, the people that would be in support of that – Aren't. You would think, yeah, yeah. You'd yeah. Think that the, it's surprising that they're not. But yeah, it's it's stunning to me. Yeah, yeah. I'm still, yeah. I don't understand. I don't understand. All right. 
Ooh, we went places. Yeah. That went around. That was, uh, <laughs> yeah, we went around. Yeah. Okay. Uh, jump into the next segment. Word association. This is where I say a word and you tell me what's on your mind. So first word we'll jump into is food. Burning. Burning? Burning. Yeah. Like we were talking about before. Get that cold, get the grill going. And that's the thing. I, I grill all year round. Yeah. I drag my, my propane grill into the garage and I crack the door and I'll be out there in February throwing stuff on there. Mm. It's, it's all year round. It, it, this wasn't my plan. I got to hand it. It was my wife's plan. She just kind of threw my ass outside to grill. Yeah, all the time. Like it's February. Well, it's cold. Get a coat. Um, <laughs> so that's how that started. But, but yeah, like it's so there isn't like a grilling season. It's just when can I be more comfortable doing it? When do I not mind sitting outside with a beer as long for longer? Right. So, uh, right. but yeah, that's that's my go to for that. Steaks and chops. I'm actually trying something right now. I'm trying a little experiment in my fridge. I found these um, these bags online. I think I got them through Amazon. They're called Umai bags. And they're kind of like a, a shrink bag, like for freezer stuff, except it doesn't seal that tight around it, and it's for dry-aging meat. Oh. So you buy like a whole uncut slab of New York strip or something, like 13 pounds. Okay. And you slide it into this bag, and you seal out as much of the air as you can. You put it on a rack in your fridge for like a month or two. Mm. And then when you get it out, you've got to take that membrane bag off and shave off, obviously, the, the really dry parts. But you've got, you know, if you do the math on it, you've got like a $90 restaurant steak dry aged for like 20 bucks. Wow. So we'll see around Mother's Day how that turns out. Okay. <laughs> I got 13 pounds of New York strips sitting in my fridge. <laughs> Bro. We're going to have to have a conversation about this offline because yeah. I, I want to learn more all about that. Now, I'm all about it. I am a grill. I like to consider myself a grill master. Mm. I own enough grills to at least say I am grill competitive. Okay, good. Um, yeah. And I and I love it, too. But I'm not going to lie. So, like, I used to be the, the get out there and grill and all this. But you know who took my grilling from me? The wife. Really? She grills more than I do. She will wow. get out there in a heartbeat. She didn't. She, she look. She's masterful at it. Mm-hmm. I, you know what I didn't did? I didn't. I, I did it too well. Taught her the things. Nice. She's too good. That's great. Now she's confident. That's awesome, though. Yeah, it, it it's awesome. Does that means you can reap the benefits without having to do all the work. Yeah, but the every work. Time. But the grill work. I mean, I, look. I'm not complaining that she is. Right. She's good. I mean, she's very good, but I mean, you know, there is a thing like it's a, it's I, think, a thing. I think cooking in general, right? Anytime you make something that you can feed it to other people and, and make them happy, there's there's a sense of pride in that. That's oh, yeah. part of the process. Yes. It's like I made this, so I, yeah, I get it. I, I I'm I I'll be sh- I've been showing my my wife and kids some of the tricks, but there might be a few I'm holding on to. You hold on to <laughs> maybe a couple for now, maybe for now. You are right about that making food thing. See, my thing is this: I want to make it and then sit back. And go, mm-hmm, and sit and watch you eat it. You know, like grandma used to do. Mm-hmm. Grandma would make right. an amazing meal, and then she wouldn't eat right away. She'd sit back, watch everybody eat the plate, and she knew. So do you, do you um, like, experiment much with the grill, or do you, like, I'm going to try something kind of out there? Well, I, I can't say I try things. Okay. And there's certain things I've come to really like. And now, have I tried anything? I try more devices than try things, okay. right? Okay. And so, like, 
I bought a mini egg the other year. Oh, nice. And I, I still haven't mastered the mini egg. I'm working on that. Um, I bought a uh, this charbroil um, thing that's a cylinder where all the fire's on the outside. It, it, they called it a, 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 a greaseless turkey fryer. Okay. But you can barbecue in that thing. So I've been mm-hmm. I've been experimenting with that. I've been experimenting with smoking different kinds of ways. Nice. So um meat's meat yeah. to an extent. And I haven't tried any crazy meat that I don't understand, but I've definitely tried different tools. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And there's a lot of stuff out there too that's yes. fun to play around with. Yeah, I'm always doing the Amazon search for a new grilling gadget. It's kinda yeah. hit or miss, but we started um, doing like big family camping trips last couple of years. Yeah. And so that's kind of the, the go-to like, all right, what can I do over a campfire mm. is, is fun. So like, let's change up the setting. Right. right. Um, not that like, oh, because I've just got grilling at home down anything. No, there's still stuff. I'm like, ah, I'm still playing with getting that brisket down, you know, right. but, but over the open fire, like what can I do with a two bone rib roast? That's where I get. That's where I start having. Some oh, fun. that that sounds impressive. That starts with over over a wood fire. That's 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 my favorite thing to do. That's how we how we open up our camping season every year. Is yeah, yeah. I was pretty much spend the whole first day camping just tending to a fire. It's and drinking beer. It's awesome. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, cocktail or beer? Oh, this is a tough one. Um, because I, not as much anymore, but I used to homebrew a lot. And so I was like, you know, I went through like the beer snob phase. Oh. Um, and, you know, where it's like, oh, I have to try all these different kinds of beers. And I've, I still have a favorite style that's really hard to find. It's called a Rausch beer, hmm. where it's, it's a really old style where the malt is smoked before it's added and, and you know, turned into wort and then beer. Hmm. So when you drink it, it's got this very subtle, smoky aftertaste it's not like drinking bacon or anything <laughs> right not that that would be bad but it's uh, like a little bit of a uh, birch smoke flavor that comes through the beer it goes really good with grilled meats uh, so that's one when i can find it um, or when i can make it it's, that's a fun one to try how hard is it to make beer it's really not that hard I mean, to make drinkable beer, not hard. To make good beer, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a difference. There's a difference. No, I, I, you know, I've, I've used, uh, you can get like a box kit that's got the hops and the malt syrups and yeah. like in, instructions. You just If you can boil water, you can make beer. It's just about the patience and the time and, and the ingredients. Um, I've had some like box kit, five gallons of beer that came out of them that turned out really, really good. And then I try to do it again, and it's just not quite as good. It's drinkable. I mean, the good thing is it's not going to make you sick if it's not good. Right. You just have five gallons, you know, beer for brats or something. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but no, like, and so I, I did get a little a little crazy for a while with trying different experiments with beer, and some were hit, and some were a mess. But yeah, it's I I, st- I like the process. You're kind of harnessing microbiology and chemistry together, right? Getting those little yeasts to do what you want them to do. But it, to be honest, in the summer though, it's it's kind of a mix up like cocktails and beer. I, I go back and forth. It's very seasonal. What's the cocktail? Cocktail right now with the with spring coming in. Um, I've been been doing a lot more stuff with rum, and a big part of that is because my wife and I went on a vacation for for early part of the spring. Went down to the Dominican, so now I'm like very much in like 
I want to go back to that. So <laughs> like go back to the rum runner kind of a thing. But um, yeah, like it's just kind of usually in the winter, it's a little bit more bourbons and scotches, some Manhattans and stuff like that. But then as we get more into the spring and summer, we're going to like rum, maybe tequila, and eventually vodka, gin, gin and tonics in the summer are awesome, you know, stuff like that. Okay. Okay. Um, streaming. Um, gosh, we, we watch stuff on everything. Uh, but I'd say one of my favorite go-tos for a streaming service is actually uh, Tubi TV, yeah, which is a free streaming service. Um, there's occasionally ads during some of the movies or TV shows, but they have this incredible library. And I especially like it because they've got quite a lot of uh, cult films. So like horror, sci-fi, really trashy stuff. It's just kind of fun to have a beer and watch it, you know, laugh with your friends. And so we, for the, uh, for the podcast that I host, we actually use that almost exclusively because that way listeners can tune in, listen, watch the movie. And then if they want to listen to our podcast and listen to us talk about it, they can join. So, but I really like to, there's always something good on there. You know, you spend so much time flipping through different streaming services. It's like when I was younger and used to go to a blockbuster, which is a very old statement. Um, <laughs> it really know, is. I'd, I'd, uh, you know, I'd spend an hour in there trying to pick out a movie, and now it's even worse because I've got Hulu and you know, Netflix and Amazon. And, oh, my God, that happens to know, me. Yeah, you just kind of get down like, what are you going to watch? Nothing. I'm just going to look at titles. But there's always something on Tubi like, that looks ridiculous. I could watch that. I get it because you know what I get stuck in that. Sometimes I'm scared to start looking for something to watch yep. because I know I'm going to spend an hour digging through to try mm-hmm. to figure out what to watch. Yeah, and and then I'm like, this didn't do anything. I lost an hour. And you know, it, for a while there, you could get you know recommendations from people, but now there's still there's so much variation. There's so much variability in options. Right. If somebody recommends something to you, even if you like really trust their judgment, there's no guarantee that that recommendation is going to pull you in right and it's really do i want to risk my time on a recommendation (laughs) facts no i feel you my mom is mine if my mom says is it's it's legit Mm -hmm. it's legit she never steers me wrong she she is she's pretty good at that um but yeah okay uh to be but you said something in there about your podcast yeah so i um I was going to save this for the plug, but I'll do it again. Um, yeah, so I am a co-host of the Video Junkyard podcast, which is a weekly show where we essentially, the whole idea of the podcast was what are movies that maybe are either just cult classics or the weird you know stuff you'd find at the bottom of the $5 bin at Walmart, or maybe this was a movie that was really popular for like a week and then nobody talks about it anymore. Right. Like a flash in the pan kind of a thing. So... We try not to go with stuff that's too recent, though occasionally we do. Uh, but yeah, so it's it it's and it's not all like sci-fi and horror, but a fair amount because usually if you're watching an old trashy movie, it's going to be you know a grindhouse film or it's going to be like an exploitation film or something like that. So it's uh, yeah, so we've been having a lot of fun with it. Okay, we'll make sure that we uh, put a link in there for in, oh, yeah, in the podcast notes because we we want people to check that out and yeah. me personally, I'm, I'm, I need to be on your show. Yes, you do. We got to get you on there. Yeah, and it's always fun. We usually let a guest like pick a movie, and so we just sometimes we do like a two week theme. Um, like right now, we're we're doing like '90s comedies. Like, how well have they aged? Oh, and yeah, oh, spoiler, not well, not well. Um, some of them not well at all. And then some other ones surprise us. So it's it's kind of fun to get a guest on there and they pick the movie and then there's always some good soundbite 
Okay. Comes out of it. I'm with that. Shop local. Um, God, there's a lot of local businesses I really love around here. Um, but I would have to say one of my favorite businesses, um, is just experiences I've had with, with a local business owner here in town is at 920 Tattoo. Okay. Uh, Carrie and Steve Olson are just awesome. Um, not just because, like, yeah, I like to get tattoos and go in there, and they, but they do really good work, and it's a very comfortable setting. It's very clean. Um, not to say anything against any of the other shops in town, but just there's an atmosphere in there that it, I think going in there made me realize that the, the old kind of stereotype image of, like, the neighborhood bartender being, like, the person you go and you chill and you, you know, get some wisdom from while you're having a drink, I feel like a good tattoo artist has entered into that realm. You're sitting in a chair for a few hours and you just get to talking. And so, yeah, I've had some great, great conversations hanging out with them, getting work done and they do amazing work. So that's one of my, one of my favorite places uh, to go when I can. Okay. I feel like I got to ask the question because it's the question that you ask people when they bring up tattoos. Mm -hmm. How many tattoos you got? Uh, I have a quarter sleeve on this arm. And I've got yeah, a bunch of stuff there. I've got Oh you're you're, you're tatted. To, yeah, it's hard to tell. It's you're hard to, at this point it's hard to like pinpoint how many. Yeah, no, no, you're tatted. And I got another one in uh, coming in July. So Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we got plans. We got, we got plans. future plans. Yeah, wife and I are going to get a tattoo together. So that Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I've been working on that. I've been trying to uh, uh me personally I'm not hung up on getting tatted. Um uh, and it's only because I love tats and I love how people look at tats, but uh, I'm branded. And because I'm branded, it just makes me feel different about tats in the sense of you really can't get crazier yep. than branding. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, yep, I've already, I already jumped the shark. Yeah, no, no, I, that's totally fair. Yeah. That's totally fair. And I, yeah, I, I could see that. I could see like, like well, it's like, it's like Neil Armstrong. Like, well, I've been to the moon, so how do I top that? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's just like, yeah, well, you know. But I, I've totally been trying to talk the wife into getting a tattoo for freaking like a couple of decades here. Well, I love how tattoo culture has changed so much. Oh yeah. When I was a kid, even it was like somebody had a tattoo that was that was a, a you know, in a film. If, if you saw someone with a tattoo, that was they were edgy, right? And they maybe were somebody you didn't trust, and. I know that like my parents' generation really had to shake that. They had a harder time shaking that, I think, than a lot of us did. And now it's it's the you try not you know people you shouldn't judge somebody by their tattoos, but it's like wow, who did that? Who did that work? How did you do that design? You know, oh yeah, it's, it's it's so much more more friendly. And I've noticed even businesses have started coming around. Many businesses started coming around and not caring about tattoos. I mean, like I said, I, I teach at university and. I mean, I don't like walking with my shirt off or anything like that. But, but yeah, they they can see yeah. when we're in a t shirt that you know that I have tattoos, and yeah, nobody cares. Yeah, no, no tattoos. You know what's funny? I think the culture shift is is now a person with tattoos is kind of the norm. But if you smoke, then you're edgy. Then you're edgy. You're yeah. taboo. Yeah. <laughs> and wait, if you think about it, back in the day. And it's very funny when you look back at old pictures of people, they smoked in their offices, there were ashtrays yep. on their desks from like the 60s and stuff. And it was just like, so you think about a true shift, the trade-off. Yeah. That is a culture trade-off Absolutely. over all these years. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and yeah, like it used to be ashtrays in cars and airplanes and stuff. And even just a couple of years ago, they still had the little ashtray in the arm of the airplane seat. Um, but yeah, that has totally changed. And you're right. Tattoos have kind of flipped as well. Yes. Cool. Um, diversity. So um, I, th- one of the things that I, I do think of when I hear the word diversity is especially like in, in my, in my career really is in the sciences, um, uh, particularly in the geosciences, whether it's geology or paleontology or any other subfield. And that's these, this is a career of an, a, a depth and collection of knowledge that was essentially claimed. I'm not even going to say discovered, but claimed by uh, white men. And there's been a, a big push to try to first bring the recognition to the to, to women and people of color uh, that have contributed to science over the years, to numerous discoveries in many, many fields. Right. Um, but now trying to have that and make sure that next generation of scientists, in my case, geoscientists and paleontologists, is not just more bearded white men, <laughs> you <laughs> know. Um, so I really um, love the fact that in our department, in the geology department, um, I've seen just in the, the 12 years that I've been there, uh, I've seen a huge shift to like the number of majors we have that are that are women. Um, there are actually more women geology majors now than, than men. And I think that's oh. really, really cool. Bruh. I yeah. still feel like we have a long way to go in bringing diversity in terms of, of race and people of color into, into the sciences. There's, there's, it's, it's, it's there, but it's not where it could be. Right. And so, um, that's just something that, that I try to do when I can and, and try to find new ways of doing is, is letting people know that these opportunities are there for everybody and making a scientific contribution is something that anybody can do if they're willing to, to kind of put themselves out there and, and willing to to really venture into this. But it is, it's it's a bit daunting when you look at, you know, okay, here's the, the big wall of people that have taught in this esteemed department or whatever, and right. it's just all white men. Yeah, that's that's going to be a really hard thing to overcome. But how do we find new and, and productive ways of not only getting more students of different backgrounds into these, into these topics, but get them to stay and to make contributions? Because that's how we're going to see that change. So how do we come up with these new ideas? I don't think um, I don't think people always understand the power of not seeing people that yeah. look like you doing something, mm-hmm. and therefore you you don't even realize you do this, but you subliminally feel like I can't do that. Yeah. It takes a special. Everybody's not a trailblazer, right. as I like to tell mm-hmm. people. Everybody is not set up to be the person that breaks through. Right. And so when you don't see those people like yourself, even though they may exist, mm-hmm. it does make you, it, you just don't put it into your plan. You don't put it into your options sometimes. Right. I mean, sometimes there's those people that are like, yeah, I'm going to do that. And regardless of whatever, I'm going to do that. And mm-hmm. that happens. But more often than not, I just think uh, it's super helpful to see others mm-hmm. doing something yep. that, that share characteristics like you where you can envision yourself being that person right right and i think i mean i look at how i got to where i am and absolutely there was there was help along the way i could see people that looked like me doing these kinds of things and i had you know things that that helped me get there and it's it's i feel bad that like i got to this point now i can look back and go oh yeah i guess that's not the same for everybody but how can we change that 
Right. And so that's some, some things we're trying to do, but yeah, like I was really pleased and just, it was thought it was a really kind of cool organic thing to happen. Uh, like our, our current geology club of students for the next year, it's, it's all, all women. Mm. And I don't know if that's ever happened before. And that's just really cool. It, it, it lets me know, okay, some, this is possible. We can start making this change. You know, so for people that are complaining, it's too hard. No, it's happening. You just we have to keep at it, and we have to make these opportunities available. Right. Yeah. It, it's never too hard. It's just it may be slow because what you're doing is your culture shifting, yeah. and culture shifting is slow. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it doesn't right. happen overnight usually. Yeah, and usually when there's a big push to force a culture change, there's a backlash. Oh yeah. So change is hard. It really is. It really is. So yeah, we're trying to trying to do more to promote that. That's what we can. Okay. Community. Uh, it kind of goes along with diversity. I mean, we're looking at, at a scientific community and how and, and who is representing that. And so I kind of keep those two things in mind, I think, because when I think about diversity, I think about a diverse community. And so I want to see I want to I want to see my children um, who, who are biracial. I want to see them see themselves when they look at whether it's a scientist, a singer, an actor, an athlete, um, you know, a, a banker, whatever. I want them to be able to see themselves in those roles. Love it. I agree. So. I'm, I'm along that lines. Yeah. Okay. Next segment. This is the Kosh Hidden Gems. This is where you have an opportunity to share about some hidden gem here in the Kosh that you want to Tell us about it. Maybe maybe it's something we already know about or that, but there's things about it we don't know. Uh, so, you know, there, there's the opportunity there because there, I'm not going to lie. There's some things where people have talked about and I was like, oh, I didn't even know that I've seen it. Didn't know it did that. Christine's. 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 Okay. That is my favorite restaurant in town. Break that down. <laughs> Uh, Christine's is in the same building that Terry's is. So it's like right on the corner there across from Mabel Murphy's. Yes. Um, and they're, they're now starting to do more like, you know, table seating and stuff, but we've been going there for a couple of years. Yes. On and off when there wasn't a, you know, shutdown. Um, and you walk in and it kind of just looked like a regular college bar, but they have the best pho, the best egg rolls, the best mm-hmm. deep fried pork belly lob style with sticky rice. And it bond me's. It is amazing. It is. That's one of those, like this whole last week when it was like cold and dreary, it's like, I need something to warm my soul. We're going to Christine's mm. and yeah, some of the best food I think I've had in town. Shout out to Christine's. So you know what? I've gone there and you're right. And you know what? I, I'm not going to lie. There's been a few times that that has been the after cocktail spot to go hit and mm. to have some of that food to be your after Mm-hmm. cocktail option is unbelievable is. in in the cash come on that's uh, just crazy my and my, my wife's from the south side of chicago and so she's been like what is it about this stuff? she's like i didn't grow up eating eating vietnamese food she's like so what is it about this that really is just hitting hitting it for her? and i was like it's got all those south side notes you know if you think about food from the south side of chicago you know, it's like wings, rib tips, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. It's hitting all those notes. Right. Same kind of notes. If you went to Harold's and you got, you know, like the spicy wings and stuff, you've got that crunch, you've got that spice. Yes. It's all there, but it's just different spices and a different crunch, but it still hits those notes that you need to hit, like you said, at like 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> yes. You know? Yeah, look, I'm telling you. 
That you know what? That is truly a hidden gem. I'm not gonna lie. Okay. And they're doing seafood now, and it's pretty good too. Is it? Yeah. Okay. I did the crawfish last time I was there. Was I'm not nice. gonna lie. I haven't been in there uh, pre-COVID. Okay. Pre-COVID, it's was nice. It? They got they actually like have tables with tablecloths now and oh, sit down. Okay, they've changed. They've they're, yeah. ch- they're changing. Yeah, we even took the kids. Like we were there a lot longer because then we started playing pool and stuff, and the kids were running around. But they were totally fine with. You know, oh yeah, kids and stuff. No, it's super friendly. friendly. Oh yeah, real nice people. Yeah, super friendly. Okay, um, what's the cash need? You know, this is a hard one for me um, because. When I think about like water stuff, I would like to see it. I can't think of anything specific, okay. um, but like having having a twelve year old and having having a, a seven year old, I would love there to be in the winter like more stuff to take the kids to do because I hate going to the mall, <laughs> you know stuff like that. So like where can I take? But with COVID, you have to keep in mind like okay, where are we going to take them? Where it's not, you know, we're not going to suddenly become an epicenter for spreading things. Um, and so, like, you know, we'd be taken to places like Mineshaft, which is great for kids. You know, I, I would have loved a place like that as a kid. Big arcade and pizza. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, so just, like, I keep trying to think, like, what would be something that Oshkosh needs? But it's really hard for me right now to think about that because of these other variables. Oh. You know, like, you know, I, I think there's a lot of really cool stuff here, that, a lot of little hidden gems and, and, and so on. Um Honestly, living here for over a decade, I still don't feel like I fully explored it. No, I feel like I've been able to. So, so I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I I could throw this one back at you and what you think it needs. Oh no, 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 look! But I like the idea of video games and pizza. You know what? I'm always along the lines, and I've said this on a couple other episodes. We don't have enough for the young people to do. Yeah. Um, I think there's room in Oshkosh to bring in like a maybe a trampoline park or or mm-hmm. something along the lines of a Chuck E. Cheese. Like I'm old school. Oh, I yeah. like the old school Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, Chuck me too. E. Nothing beat Chuck E. Like that I, pizza was legit. Yeah. And the video games or the game options were legit, and the thing you could climb through was legit. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't even know because I don't even know if any McDonald's have any more playgrounds anymore. Um. Well, I mean, they did pre-COVID. I know there right. was one in Nina that still did. Well, I know the one in Oshkosh used to, mm-hmm. but I don't know if that one's still open, but I feel like they might have taken that out. Yeah, I know a lot of them. I mean, I remember the old McDonald's outdoor playgrounds. Yeah. Those ones, like, with the Mayor McCheese and the Big Mac stuff, right. you climb inside, and, of course, it was hot as hell because it was all metal sitting out in the sun all day. Right. But, yeah, I remember those were my favorite ones. When they when they moved them inside, it just became, like, the plastic yeah. Jungle gym thing. I was I was a little too big for him anyway. It didn't mean I didn't, you know, try. But <laughs> but nonetheless, that's what I'm saying. Like it just needs to be some things yeah. to be able to take your child. Well, to. and I think they've been doing a great job around town with, you know, updating a lot of the playground equipment and parks. Yes, they um, yes, they have. And that's been awesome. We've got a park just down the street from our house that the kids go down to. Which now now they're at the age we can just say go to the park. I don't necessarily have to walk down. Um but yeah, I think some it's getting a little more creative with uh, with interests of, of kids because not every kid is interested in sports. I wasn't a sports kid really. Right, I played hockey a little bit, but I wasn't. It wasn't like my big thing to go do. And so even the, the small town I grew up in, we had to go find something to do if you weren't on a team. And I feel like you know coming to obviously a much larger city than where I grew up, um, that still seems to be an ongoing problem. If if your kids aren't into sports, what can you get them into 
And there, there's plenty of things that kids would love to learn about or could be exposed to that they might really grasp onto. I uh, just need more of those kind of opportunities. Yeah. Something away from screen time. Yes. Yes. As we all stare at screens. <laughs> As we all stare at screens. <laughs> Facts. All right. Yeah. All right. We're on to the next segment. Next segment is the Naughty Slash Heroes Corner. This is your opportunity to nominate someone, something, an organization, whatever. There's no, uh, you can nominate whatever you want. Well, there's there's an individual that I've been working with on campus that I think has been doing some really cool stuff kind of above and beyond um, for students, but also for the greater community. Uh, it's uh, Dr. Jordan Karsten from the Anthropology Department. Okay. Uh, so we're in different departments, but we've collaborated on a couple of things, both um, uh, in the classroom and out. Uh, he actually, it, he also hosts a podcast called the uh, the Cold Case Frozen Tundra podcast, and he's a, a forensic anthropologist. He actually brings his students and out into the field with him around the community, and they they dig up cold cases. Oh, wait, and, really? Yeah, Bruh. I need to know. He's, um, and so just just yesterday, an individual was arrested um, for the murder of Starkey Swenson, which was a case going back to 1983, and Jordan and his students helped find him. Over, no way. Yeah, and there's been a couple of cases that they've actually, they're cold cases, they've kind of rejuvenated them, and they've had some success to bring closure to people, you know, from, from decades ago. So... You know, it's it's and it's cool. Like, what an awesome thing to be doing, right? Yes. Um, but to get students involved in that, so you're giving them some real world experience with this incredible career uh, opportunity, and you're also doing something right. You know, and I and I that's not to to say anything negative necessarily about detectives from those cases. Sometimes a case goes cold, right? But for somebody to say, hey, let's 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 dig into it. It's been thirty years. Let's dig into it and see with our modern techniques what we can do and and they're uh, so they're doing some really cool things so i just feel like they need to get a little more recognition what's the name of that podcast uh cold case frozen tundra okay we're gonna put yeah. that link in because yeah. that sounds it's, freaking it's, fantastic it's pretty cool yeah i think yeah just yesterday they uh they arrested that individual and you know I mean, of course he's like in his 80s now but still what's crazy is so that's happening at the kosh mm-hmm UWO. Mm-hmm. It yeah. is, I'm always blown away about the things that are happening in our community, yeah. like that people just don't even know, but we have all of these amazing things. Yeah. That, and that's why the Kosh exists, because we want to share this, because I think our I think our listeners and our greater public would be blown away to know that these are the kinds of things that happen. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, we're, 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 we're coming to that time. And definitely um, time to jump in. It is time for Okay, that makes me happy. It's, it's Every like, it's time like Superman inspiring. That's awesome. Right? <laughs> it's time for the topic of the week. And the topic of the week is always chosen by our guest. And Joe, what's our topic of the week? So the importance of science literacy in America now more than ever. Ooh, break that down. What, is, what exactly does that mean? Just we, we have, I feel, a, 
a society where, and I see it in, in students all the time. They, they come into my office, maybe they're struggling a bit with some of the material in a geology or a paleontology course, and it's this exasperated, I'm just not good at math and science. It's like, really? I mean, no. I mean, you're, you're, you make decisions every day that are like scientifically informed, and it's, but there's this built-in fear. We, we, most people fear mathematics and they right. fear science. However, in all of our pockets, we carry small computers that we wouldn't have without someone having an understanding of that. So it, we're getting to a point now where we have people who are increasingly relying on technology with no knowledge of how it works. And, and Carl Sagan, uh, the great astrophysicist, pointed that out in the early 90s, like, I fear this is where we're going, and oh, we are firmly there now. And if it, even looking at responses to things like um, research on climate change, COVID, um, you know, a, num- a number of other environmental issues, um, people are resistant to it because of potentially uh, political ram- and sociopolitical ramifications. You know, like right. people they'll they'll ignore the, the science on climate change because they don't like what it might mean for their their pocketbook, which I get. But then they just say, well, it's not a problem then. And no, these are two totally separate things. The science is the science. What you do about it, we can debate all day long. Right. But, but it doesn't change the facts. It doesn't of. change the facts, the demonstrable, repeatable facts about things like climate, environmental issues, COVID. I would even throw in, um, God, I mean, why the hell do we have people to think the earth is flat suddenly? Like all this new <laughs> growth in that. Right. Like that's... If, if we if we needed a canary in the coal mine, there it is of how how dangerous this type of situation is. Right, and I think COVID just showed that, or has been showing. Oh that. yeah, I think COVID definitely has shown how how dangerous it is to have a, a population that doesn't just. It's not just like oh, I don't know about this topic. Right, because you can be illiterate to something just means you you don't know. Right. Yeah. But then being so willfully <laughs> ignorant to it, like resisting it and not using the critical thinking uh, skills and the common sense of why should I be listening to a politician versus somebody who has spent a career studying this? Right. That just doesn't compute to me. And so it's, again, just like with trying to find ways of, of building you know, bridges with you know, a more diverse research community, how do we get people who aren't, science-minded to understand more and show an interest or maybe realize the importance of these issues to them. You know, like, like I study dinosaurs. I'm not curing cancer. I to- at the end of the day, I get to play with monsters. It's really fun. But what I can do with that, hopefully, is get people to think about questions critically. We can use dinosaurs as a way of doing that, perhaps. But how do we get somebody who's, you know, and that's great for a young generation, right? Because kids, you can... They, they like science, they like nature. How do you get somebody who's in their 50s or 60s kind of, you know, digging in their heels to realize, no, this isn't politically charged, this is just the data, and these are what the data say, and this does affect you, and make a decision based on that. How do we do that? That's the hard part. I don't know. Because um, to me, what you have is you, you have the battle of, science systems versus belief systems. Mm-hmm. And you can't 
you can't beat belief systems because it's based on belief, not on. Absolutely. And how do you, how do you get the logic of science to overcome What's so the st- beliefs. What's so strange is how how individuals and again I'm not like picking on anybody. I'm just this is an observation that people cherry pick what they want, that what they hear from from you know scientific studies. They almost cherry pick what they're going to have conflict with their beliefs or not. Like I've I've run into plenty of of young Earth creationists that are like I don't believe in evolution and okay we can go back and forth, but then you ask them about plate tectonics, like the idea that all of our continents used to be together and over millions of years they've drifted apart. They're like, well, yeah, that makes sense. You're like, well, wait, no, you didn't think the Earth was that old when I brought up evolution, but I bring up plate tectonics, and you're like, well, clearly. So there's this kind of disconnect going on. Bruh. Yes. And, and is it just they've never thought of it that way, in which case I'm like, all right, shut up, Joe. Don't, don't bring it up. They're already on our side on this one. But so, yeah, I'm not really sure how to how to – move forward with it though i i remember when i first started here one of the first years i was teaching i, I did a, a lecture in on evolution for class because we're learning about earth through time and life through time we have to talk about the principles of, of natural selection and i had a student come up to me after class and say this is like verbatim the conversation she said what about noah's ark and i said okay well what about it and she went oh i never thought of it that way <laughs> It's like that's all it took. What? That was it. That was it. That was it. She thought I was being thought I was trying to say something else. Like, what about it? I was like, well, what do you mean? Like, can you elaborate? But she was like, oh, I've never thought of it that way. So maybe she just never elaborated in her own mind about it before. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's it was really strange, but it was kind of kind of funny to see. Like, well, I think maybe that's it. That some people just haven't really thought about it. And there are plenty of scientists out there that have have faith. That you know that that you know maybe they go to church or maybe not, but they have some kind of spirituality. Sure, there's nothing that says you can't. Right. Um, I think when you start working on taking certain belief systems literal, verbatim, like this printed word is absolute fact, like this is equivalent to a history book. That's when I, I'm like, okay, well, you're gonna have that. I I'm not gonna try to convince you otherwise. Oh no. Hey, enjoy your life. You know, be happy. If that's what it takes, then be happy. But for people that are relying on all this biomedical technology to stay alive, but then they say, oh, scientists don't know what they're talking about. And it's like, well, you're proof they do. <laughs> so, right? It's it's a little, yeah, it, it, it gets a little uh, confusing sometimes. And it can be frustrating. Like the movie um, that came out on Netflix this past winter, Don't Look Up which was about an asteroid hitting the Earth and like the scientists seeing it coming and nobody listening to them, which was funny because it was originally made to be a climate parody in a way, uh, a climate change issue kind of parody, but then it ended up being COVID as well. I can't tell you how many people I had asked, like family members, like, did you see that movie? Is, is it really that bad? I'm like, yes, every day, <laughs> every single day. You're like, this is what the data are telling us. And people just go, no, I don't want to believe that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so how are we going to have the next generation of iPhones and the next generation of cars and computers if we don't have people that understand how science works? Right, and, and that it changes. And that's the changes. one. That's the one that frustrates me the most is the. Well, they said this, and now they're saying that. Uh, 
That's science. That's how it works. Yeah, you like the whole point is you study it and you report as you figure it out. Science isn't about getting to the bottom of anything. It's not about making about closing any books, right? right. So the scientific process, the scientific method is about standing on the edge of a cliff, a cliff of knowing, right? And you get to step infinitesimally closer to that edge with every discovery. You'll never fully understand all, but you just get a little bit closer every time. I mean, I can say with papers that I've published, studies that I've done on, on dinosaurs and on T-Rex and stuff, you'll, you'll okay, answer one question. In doing so, you've opened up like 50 more. Right. Which is great job security. You always have something to study. <laughs> but you, you, it's, it's this constant like, okay, like we, we were working on a project right now where we're describing the skull of this dinosaur. And so we decided in going through the description, let's take it to a hospital and have it CT scanned, which mm. is dinosaurs get amazing healthcare. And so we CT scanned it and we found that this thing has a whole bunch of like backup teeth in its mouth. You know, like we have baby teeth, adult teeth, and then that's it. These things have replaced their teeth all through life. But we noticed some really weird stuff with how their teeth were growing. And that led to questions of, well, how were they actually biting? You know, how, were, how was their jaw mechanics working? Okay, well, what were they eating? You know, if they're browsing at vegetation, what kind of vegetation? Where would it be? And this just started with throwing the thing in a CT scanner bed. And now we're questioning all these different aspects of how this animal lived. And that's how science works. You, you learn one thing. And now it opens up. It's almost like playing D&D, right? <laughs> like right. You enter the room, and now it's opened up a whole new cavern. And so it's, it's kind of it's exciting to see that. But you're right. People get so set on, well, this is what they told me yesterday. This has to be absolute truth. And I think to go back to your point about belief systems, that's how belief systems work. What's right. truth is truth is truth. And whatever I was told isn't going to change. It's unwavering. So, you, you know, faith has to be rigid. But science, is, that's, that's just constantly flowing. So, yeah, how do we get these to work together? Well, I don't know. That's, that's so good, actually. Um, and it's scary, right? Because yeah. right now we, we seriously are pushing back on all of, the, all of the systems that got us to where we are today. Exactly. So how do we continue to move forward if we're finding all of these different reasons to discount that? Well, and I don't feel like the answer is, well, we just need to go back to how it was. Yeah, I'm not saying that. In the old days. No, and, and I don't think there's, there's anything that, that really works that way. But we do have to maybe borrow something from the past, which is how do we get people to recognize their personal relationship with the scientific you know, this body of scientific knowledge. And I think medicine is a great way to do that. Um, and, and you'd think climate would, but climate generally moves so slowly, changes so slowly. We're, we're, what we're seeing now is much more rapid right. compared to what naturally, normally would happen without any, you know, anthropogenic influence. But how, how do we get people to see the, the real, like the, a, a faster science? And I think biomedicine is a great way of doing that. Um, where you can see, you know, changes that happen. But yes, we've been dealing with a biomedical thing, and they see that this can change rapidly, and it can affect your life in ways you didn't expect. And there was still resistance to it. And so, 
it's uh, it is a very scary time because I could get behind. Okay, people don't subscribe to evolution or certain aspects of of space research or uh, you know climate because these are slow systems and they can't see it happening in their day to day lives as as much as you know you'd think. It's there, but they're not seeing that quick change. Medicine, well, you know, biomedical issues, yeah, those 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 evolve very rapidly. Right. Nope, that didn't do it either. They just resisted that just as much, actually more. Mm. So now, I don't know what we can, how do we rope them in? I mean, do we need like an alien invasion for us all to get behind? Or would people argue about that too? <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, I've, yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like we're in we're in such a weird place with it all. Things like climate, I almost wonder. It's not that I think people truly doubt climate change, right? Because here's the one thing. I think what we all learn, and we didn't learn anything in the past couple of years, is like what someone will say publicly does not always reflect how they truly feel privately. Absolutely. Right. So what they're saying privately is very different than what they're publicly Mm -hmm. putting out there. My other thing is this. I always think sometimes we think let's just push it back and put it off as long as possible, because when it does hit the fan, we can fix it. And I just think with this climate thing, they don't realize we can't fix it once no. it once it hits the fan. It it done hit the fan. We're we're, we're past that point now. Right. Yeah. yeah. We're past that point now. Now whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. It's gonna take a. I don't even know if there's a course correction for it. No. No. I mean, and you don't want to promote that idea too much to get in, you know to inspire somebody to say, well, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. You don't want the you don't know, matter. You people. don't want the don't matter uh, because there are still steps you can do to, you know help but are we going to reverse what's happened for the last few centuries now yeah and in the idea that some of the criticism like well there's no it's it's preposterous that a human being or that human beings like one species could have such an influence on a planet's climate are you kidding me bacteria have been doing it for like 4.6 billion years (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's pretty easy (laughs) how do you think we got oxygen in our atmosphere it's microbes so yeah, you know, that's that's the kind of things that people just don't think about. And I, I I do think social media is is you know there's good parts and bad parts about that and and how it contributes to this. And we just saw that with with COVID, how there was so much misinformation. And when you haven't, when you don't have people that have been taught to think critically, they'll buy anything. They'll they'll specifically go out and seek what they want to hear to confirm their their preconceived notions right and there's more information now to do that than ever um and so how do you get them to go to the right places you have to teach them how to think and i think that's what we've what we've lost somehow along the way we've become so reliant on technology to do things for us we've we've stopped really promoting critical thinking and i think when you get that critical thinking this polarization we see, whether it's about the slap or whether it's about a president or whether it's about a war or climate, you'll see all those people that are actually in the middle that really do agree, but they don't know they do. Right. So somehow we've got to bring that to their attention. Uh, Anything else you want to add? Uh, No, no, I think I've 
exhausted that topic as much as I can. <laughs> hey, I think that was awesome. That went hard. And um, I don't know. I just felt like there were some things that needed to be said that got to get said. Yeah. And not in a way where it's in a, it's an attack. No. no. Or anything like that. It's just some things we yeah. got to say some of this stuff out loud. Well, and nobody's, gonna, nobody's going to uh, be won over by being called stupid. Or be no. called a name or anything like that. No, no, people, that doesn't work. People's views and beliefs come from somewhere, right? Um, you can't bully them into into, a, into changing those. They've, right. they've got to come to it naturally. And some of it, you know, your some of your beliefs come from people you love, and mm-hmm. and if that's what they believe, you believe it, and uh, you don't want to discount those their messengers right. sometimes. But you do want to get people to come to reasoning on their own. That has logic based in there. Yep, exactly. Exactly. So, all right. That was that was really good. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, we're at the part of the show where we start winding down. Yeah. All right. So once again, uh, Kosh listeners, thank you, thank you, thank you again for taking your time to listen to spend time with us. We really, really appreciate that. Um, things have been awesome with the show i'm uh got a, we got a good great selection great selection of guests coming up in the future people are asking to be on if you are interested in being on the kosh please 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 do not hesitate to reach out to me at ask the kosh at gmail.com once again that is ask the kosh at gmail.com um you know what i think i think i'm not gonna go too deep this week so uh, just remember this we've got a new website where you can check out all the episodes uh, that is the podcast.com once again that is the podcast.com you can go back I encourage you go back and listen to some of the episodes it's just some really good things that has been shared uh, with the people from our community a lot of knowledge um, a lot of things you should go check out uh, especially with summer coming up so get out the house go check out some of the things that our guests have shared about um and finally um don't forget about the kosh gear we got kosh gear here hats t-shirts 20 dollars each if anybody's interested um just email me let me know or uh send me an send me a message through our uh, facebook site uh which is the kosh podcast all right thank you so much kosh listeners um Okay, so now, as you all know, um, it's my favorite time of the show. It is shout out time. So, Joe, you got anybody you need to shout out? Oh, I got a lot of things out? to shout out. Oh, I let's mean, get it in. Yeah, so I, I definitely got once again got a shout out to. Uh, please check out the Video Junkyard podcast uh, if you if you want to hear three guys talking about crappy movies. Then. You know, please join us for that. Um, yes. Episodes are released on SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, and I think even Apple Podcasts uh, every Friday. Um, we also have a Video Junkyard Podcast Facebook page, as well as find us on Twitter at Video Junk Pod. Um, so that one, as well as also wanted to mention Jordan Carson's podcast once again, which is called Case Frozen Tundra. Um and also, big shout out to the UW Oshkosh Department of Geology and the Weiss Earth Science Museum at UW Fox City's campus. Uh, so if you want to actually see some cool dinosaur stuff and learn more about the geology of this portion of Wisconsin, check out the Weiss Museum. It's great for kids. That's yet another really cool hidden gem in the area. 
Okay. Um, love it. Okay, my shout-outs for this week. One shout-out goes to Dubuque, Iowa, Q Casino, and the dog races. Once again, they are closing the dog races down there. This was one of the few places. This was a highlight. I go there once a year, have an amazing time, go with my in-laws. Shout-out to Janet and Chris, especially my partner in crime in the dog tracks, uh, Chris Weiss. Love you, man. Um, And uh, just got back, and let me tell you, it was beyond amazing. They, the people, every year we go, it's the same people. So the same bartenders, the same people work at the casino, the same hotel people that check in. And, like, there's a familiarity. There's something that feels good when you see the same things year after year, even though you may only go once a year. And um, let me just say that nothing makes a trip to the dog track as good as actually winning. Right. And I did. Nice. So. Shout out once again, Chris Weiss. We we we've we've come up with a formula, a plan on how you do it. But they're closing it down here in a few weeks. So this is the end of an era, and I'm kind of sad that that's what's happening. So um, I would tell you now, if you are if you love dog races at all, you need to hurry up and try to run there because it's only a three hour drive. Um, shout out to Casa of the Fox Cities. Um, they're just an amazing organization. Um, I got to meet the executive director and um, think I'm going to try to find some ways to work with them because they just have a great mission overall. Um, like to send a shout out to the foundation of UW Fox Cities. Um, that That's just, uh, we're about to have an auction. A uh, little, little fundraising going on. So there's going to be an online auction that we're, we're going to be putting out um and i think i'm gonna do some posts on that so um keep an eye out support our students a uh, majority of the students uh money does go back to like scholarships and other things to make the campus a better campus for the students so definitely want that to be happening um shout out to mosaic health uh who asked me to come in and talk a little bit about uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I got an opportunity to do that. And uh, just I got to sit in an amazing room full of uh, healthcare workers, doctors, nurses, and such. Um, and they care. They care to make sure that they're doing health properly for all people. And there's something to be said for that. Um, they just care. They want to make sure, no matter who you are, what your culture, your background, uh, they want to make sure they're providing you the best health care that they can. And they have questions. They want to they want to find out how can they do it better. And I appreciate anybody who asks that kind of question. Um, and last but never least, Bruh. the Bucks. Can we do a shout mm-hmm. out to the Bucks? Because oh, yeah. by Bucks, oh, my God, <laughs> yes. Bucks, thank you for being the Bucks. Just keep doing Bucks things. Uh, yes, I and, and know this. I am all bucked up. I will be rocking Buck gear. I got a Buck replica of championship ring that I will be wearing for the games. So if you see me out and about and I'm watching a game somewhere and you're saying, who's that dude sitting there with that big fat ring on that looks like a Bucks ring, that might be Timber. <laughs> Just might be him. And come join me. Come sit next to me. Even if you're from the opposing team, I had no problems with that. Because all I can say to that is, you got to beat us. Mm -hmm. And we ain't easy to beat. 
bucks. All right. I'm done with that now. I felt that felt good. <laughs> Woo. Okay. Now, time for the last part of the show, and that is our parting words of wisdom. But lately, in the last episodes, we have given the option about whether you can either give parting words of wisdom or the other question is, what would yourself today tell your 12-year-old self about the future or how to prepare or just wisdom you'd want to share. Um, or you can do both. So Joe, what are you thinking? I think, if, gosh, if I could look back at it, this is weird too. Cause like, oh, I have a 12 year old daughter now. And so it's like really thinking, you know, what, what, what does she need to hear? Or what would I need to hear at that age? And um, honestly, I think the, the big thing would be keep at it. It may not work out how you plan. Nothing ever does but it's going to be what it's going to be and you got to roll with it. That sounds like wisdom. I like it. Cool. All right. Yeah. Joe, how'd you like it? That was great. Yeah. That was a blast. It's a good time, right? Yeah. 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 Great. I love this. I like the setup. Good questions. Yeah. This is cool. Good job. This is awesome. Akash. Akash.